0: Hey Basic Browners, this is Joy Valerie. And one of the questions that people are always asking me is how do I start a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost three years now. And let me tell you, back when I started, there weren't many tools that made it simple to just start. And lucky for you, now there's anchor.fm, and you could get started right away with tools built in, audio features and also making it really simple for you to monetize on day one. They will distribute your podcast on apps like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So just go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started, and make sure that you share it with us.
1: Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
0: My mind is like so boring. <laughs> It's still recording because I think it caps out. Welcome back to season two of Basic Brown Nerds. I'm your host, Joy Valerie, for this season. Last season, Grecia and I started the conversations of what it meant to be a Basic Brown Nerd. We thought about this over brunch, having conversations about identity, feminism, and growing up in the suburbs stuck between multiple worlds. Since then, we've built a community. You all have listened to us, and over 19,000 of you have been following us on Instagram. You guys come to our events and have donated to this cause. So this season, Gracia will be focusing on her writing and building Latinx Writers Collective, which you can follow on Instagram and support via Patreon. And for the rest of the season, I'll be your host, and we're going to be leveling up with each episode, talking to new basic brown nerds that are doing amazing things in tech, in culture, and arts, and the wellness space. (laughs) And we're going to be digging deep into topics like finances, entrepreneurship, and mental health. We've also added a bunch of swag to our website, fun content, and we'll be hosting more events. So get excited and follow along on our socials at Basic Brown Nerds for more updates. (laughs) Hey, Basic Brown Nerds. This is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop, so you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the Basic Brown Nerd movement. And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high quality content and bring you season three. Yup, we are bringing season three in 2020. And know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Brown Nerds so that we can bring you more episodes. But also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, You know that these are people just like you, that in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. We started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Browners, you're not just supporting this. You are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you. And feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Browners. And also to me, at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. (laughs) I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate to keep making this bigger and keep Basic Brown Nerds going. So see you next decade in 2020. (laughs) So today, I want to talk about mental health, but in the context of how it relates to our cultural upbringing. For myself, as a Guatemalan child of the the diaspora who struggles with depression and ADHD, it hasn't really been an easy journey, just in accepting myself, working through it, but also adapting to a different mindset. And I think often we're taught to survive because our parents have been working so incredibly hard where we're not really taught how we're supposed to thrive, especially here in the United States. So on today's episode, I am talking to Veronica Oliveras. She is a licensed therapist, and she focuses on the intersection of psychology and culture, especially relating to how our indigenous roots play a part of it. I met her when I was attending one of her women's circles. And y'all know I'm about therapy, but I had not found a space where I felt that my culture was understood. And so we're going to be talking about the generational tasks that we all have, our parents, our ancestors, and how we need to be creating more boundaries and how to do it, as well as shifting our mindset on money and value so that we can thrive. So I'm super excited for today's episode. How are you?
1: I'm good. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, so super excited. We've been talking about this for a while. Mm -hmm. I met you because I came to your women's circle. Yeah, Yeah, a couple months ago. And I think I was at a point that I was like, oh, I'm going to therapy. And it just, I felt Mm -hmm. like there was that cultural disconnection, right? Mm -hmm. That it's kind of frustrating sometimes, like as good as your therapist is to have to explain your cultural background to them, right? And it's like, why I can't do certain things because it's like weird to my family. Mm -hmm. And so being in circle, I was just like, Oh my God, there's other Latinas out there that are like actually talking about mental health. Um, so just to get to know a little bit more about you, why did you
1: go this route? Right. Wow. There's so many reasons. I think ultimately what sparked my interest in just the idea of psychology was, Growing up and watching a lot of my family members, you know, go through a lot of difficult things, I think they weren't taking care of mental health, they weren't taking it seriously, and it caused them to make decisions that I just kind of felt like I I really looked up to these, um, these women, you know, my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, um, they were very career driven, very intelligent, beautiful, um, and just there were some things that to me that didn't add up with some of the decisions that were being made personally. Um, And so my question was always like, something doesn't add up. Something's not right, but I don't know what it is. And I just kind of want to explore that and know that more. And so that became the beginning of my, I guess, my interest, my passion. Um, And when I went to school, you know, psychology just kind of grabbed me and I got very connected to that. When I was in my training, though, I did realize that there was a growing number of Latinos, you know, in the system, um, looking for therapy, looking towards mental health, and that there wasn't enough clinicians to hold space for them. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of came in at a really like, like perfect time, Mm -hmm. because as I was coming in. That was being needed, and so I felt like there was a space up for me there, and I was like, Wow, this is a great opportunity! And yeah, and I guess like a little bit about you personally like, you grew up here, or yeah, so I um, so I was born in Jersey City, and I kind of bounced a lot between like Jersey City and the suburbs, um, pretty much up until high school, and then in high school, I actually grew up in Richfield Park, and um. It was an interesting mix of, of people, but I think that I also, in the same time that I was getting my master's in social work, I was also on a very like deep, um, I guess, journey in, in terms of identity and mm-hmm. really like connecting with, well, how do I identify myself and, and how does my family identify themselves? And and there was a point where I was getting very connected to the idea of, of connecting with roots. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I started to really look into Um, indigenous cultures and and how did they heal and how were how did they and it really wasn't even about healing I think originally back then when you know before um, colonialism and all these things there were just ways of life that were Mm -hmm. we had blueprints for and we were okay in that think that you know after trauma and generations of war and all these things now we're talking about like well now we have to recuperate from all of this stuff so I always was interested in like where did things begin and that really connected me with uh, my indigenous my indigenous roots I'm Ecuadorian and Puerto Rican Mm -hmm. so um, I grew up predominantly with my on my Ecuadorian side because that's my mom Um, and you know i I mostly grown up with my mom and my grandmother and my aunts and would go to Ecuador every summer, would spend the summer there, but there still felt like there was still some kind of disconnect, even, even me going to Ecuador and me, even having that, that exposure with my mom's side of my family that they were, there was also a missing of like us honoring our indigenous roots in that. Mm -hmm. And so how that felt disconnected. And then I guess, you know, coming here to the United States and and growing up in here and, and trying to assimilate and, you know, become more Americanized, how much more disconnected we became from that and and i really like wanted to get back to the beginning mm-hmm. and i felt like in doing that i also was inspired to like incorporate that in my therapy practices because i was thinking more holistically i was thinking about food that i was eating i was thinking about well what are what are how can i co- connect craft making art making dance movement all of these things that are so like, it's just kind of part of the nature of our indigenous roots. And and how can I bring that back into this kind of space? And so that has been my interest. And I ended up becoming um, a dance movement therapist in the process, I went through a training, and that really kind of pushed me over to the other side where I was like, I want to have a holistic practice. Mm-hmm. But I also want this to be very arts based, because craft making, storytelling, circle. And these were all things that I was, you know, really getting exposed to in art therapy and dance therapy. Um, and I was just so happy. I was so happy to find that in my social work, like career, because I was getting so drained in just the, like the mainstream social work world Mm -hmm. that art therapy and dance therapy, like music therapy saved my life. And I was actually exposed to that by a very good friend of mine, Namibia. Um, and she, um, she actually had asked me to participate with her in an art therapy. Um, I guess it was like a project that they were doing. It was a 10 day residency. Um, but we basically went to Colombia and we immersed ourselves in community doing like art therapy with the children of this place and
0: connecting wow. them with
1: like, you know, what are the things that you guys go through? What are the stories that you want to tell? And it was a very beautiful way of using actually theater um to help you know the healing process to help facilitate the healing process of like and they were talking about domestic violence they were talking about you know they're they're poisoning our water um you know we're we're wanting to keep ourselves pure here but these these institutions are trying to come mm-hmm. in and take over and it was a beautiful project and that just like opened up my whole world and I was like I'm never turning back to oh my God. that boring black and white mainstream social <laughs> work life and yeah. so, yeah, that started my journey. My
0: mind is just, like, so blown right now. <laughs> I'm just like, what? This yeah. is so cool. I yeah. didn't even know things like this existed. Yes. And, like, even as we were talking, I was thinking, do, do you know, like, The Yes. So, have you watched his new Netflix show? No. So, well, it's a, it's a movie. It's a documentary okay. on his album, his last album, right? Where he does a DNA test. His, his whole thing is going to different countries. So cool. And and like he incorporated the sounds of that country and like wanted to work with local artists, like artisans, artists, and musicians awesome. that he found. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool because I remember listening to his album. Oh my God, it's so powerful, right? Yeah, and so I remember listening cool. to his album and I was like crying because I was just like, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm crazy right like I feel like every time I have too many feelings I'm just like um, no. but and it's that like I feel like now it's I'm just like oh it's so, normal yeah. to be like mm-hmm. human and have feelings and I think it's because I was so in this like corporate white America that you're just like no I'm supposed to be like <laughs> always like not emotional and it's interesting because even now that yeah. I've been yeah. connecting with other Latinos like other people that are on the same vibe they're just like oh, I'm just crying and it's just like And I'm like, wait, like we're very like emotional people, but so even I went to a last. Well, I was in Oakland, Mm -hmm. right? I was with my friend Cynthia, and she was selling at a Native American Arts Festival. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really cool because everyone there was like, you know, honoring roots somehow, and there was a concert at the same time, right? So it was, like, Native American artists and also dancers, like, people who That's were, really like, cool, embracing yeah. and reconnecting, like, yes. people who were actually, like, Native American. And And some of the dances were, like, traditional dances and then new dances. And I was just watching this, and I was, like, crying, like, like little wow. tears. I was trying to, like, hold it back because I was like, no, I have to be a normal person that doesn't cry beautiful. in public. That's so weird. No. But um, But even just, right. like, watching it, I was just kind of, like, like, a part of me was really sad, because Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, that's awesome that they've held on to their, like, roots so much that, like, they've been able to pass down these things, and Mm -hmm. they were explaining, like, what the, the, like, feathers meant, and, like, Mm -hmm. what their adornments meant, and, like, all the significance behind it, and it was really cool, and then at the same time, I was just like, I have no idea what, like, my cultural roots are, right? Like, I'm from Guatemala, and I know that my family is, like, part Mayan, right, mm-hmm. and that, because mm-hmm. that's, like, the Mayan people are mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but even in Guatemala, like, people deny it so much, right, right. It's Very Cause, similar. yeah, because, yeah. you know, like, the casta system, colonialism, oh, yes. people are like, oh, no, I'm not like that, like, that's not me, and I'm like, really, because we're hella brown. like, <laughs> right. but, you know, it's, like, so, and, and when mm-hmm. I was studying Latin American culture in my, in college, it was very, like, um, you know, people assimilate even in our home countries, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's easier to go from indigenous to, like, mainstream mix from, than, like, backwards, right? Correct. And most people don't do that because they lose, like, their privilege, mm-hmm. right? Correct. And right. and so, but at the same time, it's just like, wow, this is, like, really sad because mm-hmm. I don't know any of my cultural upbringing. Like, we don't know what, like, indigenous tribe or anything or, like, you know, what, what we belong to. Right. And and at the same time, it's because it's been generations of like yes. mixing, like force mixing, and mm-hmm. and I feel like that tends to happen a lot, yes. right? Like our when I started studying about Guatemalan culture and history, I was like, parents, did you know there was a genocide while you were there? And they were like, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But also like people were so you know, just trying to survive. Yeah. And right. like just it's trying a protective it. factor. Yeah. And yeah. then it's also like, you know, you have limited schooling, like you're not going to go into your history and your mm-hmm. roots, but there's so much healing that happens there yes. when you start to understand, like, oh, this is why. And, and even, mm-hmm. right. Like watching these dances, it was just something like, huh? Like this is something that connects people. Yeah. Cause I feel like you can't be sad when you're dancing, right? <laughs> like you really can't.
1: Like it's very hard to. I
0: forced <laughs> myself to go to Zumba cause I'm just like, I feel like shit. And then I'm
1: just
0: like, okay. but then it's like,
1: oh, let's get happier. Right, right. <laughs> but um right. But it's even, uplifting.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and so many songs like have messages behind it, especially traditional songs, right? Yeah. Like there's a story behind it. And even when I was watching these dances happening, I was like, Oh, like it's literally a story, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I was just kinda like my mind
1: is blown. Yeah. That's more bad this week. I was, I was, no, that's really interesting. There's so many things that you're telling me too that it was sparking so many things. Mm-hmm. But I was reading a book recently and it was talking about how um, our challenges here in the Western culture is that we have um, assimilated into this idea of not having relationship with ancestors. Um, and so when I was reading this book, it's called um, Of Water and Spirit. So beautiful. He talks about his initiation um back into his own culture after I think it's like these um French Jesuit priests kind of like kidnap him and it's very similar to I guess the Native American children being taken to these like residencies and like ripped away from their from their oh, wow. homes. Yeah. Um and going through this whole process of like Catholicism and and you know believing in a different kind of God and all of these things and he gets taken back into his culture and they almost like the elders have to decide are we going to allow you to initiate because you have been so tainted by outside um and they decide to allow him to go through this initiation process and he goes through it and it's almost like life or death and, and some people make it and some people don't but he comes out this kind of initiated new man that's he's part of two worlds so it was important for him to learn how to be part of both cultures but he talks about the whole process of like I never felt like I belonged in any place, mm-hmm. really, because I was never fully my culture anymore. And I was never fully in the, the outsider's culture. Mm-hmm. And really talking about, you know, healing for himself in that whole process. Wow,
0: I'm just gonna make chills. <laughs> <while you're talking. laughs> it's so interesting because even we were talking about it before we started recording about how, you know, you're kind of code switching all the time, right? And even as you're talking, I was like, wow, that literally sounds like. The immigrant experience right yeah. like the first gen experience yeah. here right that yeah. like you're just kind of like born into a family that's very like like you know everyone's very communal right yeah. like you share you you're always giving and like taking but it's like you know everyone's pitching in like it's ve- and I grew up like my family is pastors right so that's something they're very big on right like they'll be like oh someone needs someone to stay like we need to go visit this person Mm -hmm. but um and then at the same time growing up in like american culture that's super individualistic right like everyone's out for themselves Mm -hmm. and especially in the northeast especially new york here like and it's very it puts me on edge like because especially like you know you're an entrepreneur too right and it's like everyone is out to get you in mm. a way not even to get you but it's more like everyone wants something from you right right, right. and everything is so competition-based. yeah and it's really hard and i feel like a lot of other mm. like latino entrepreneurs that i'm talking to like are having that same issue that it's like but this isn't how we work but we have to survive and right. we're living in a capitalist society right. so we all need to make money somehow <laughs> so it just becomes this like it's an really, fusion yeah because you're just like okay like And this is kind of what we wanted to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's that surviving in the two worlds that it's like, how do we put boundaries on the things that we do like, because Mm -hmm. we come from communities that are very giving and like, you know, we share, but at the same time, sometimes I think here, people take advantage of that too. Right. And they're like, give me more, give me more. Right. And, and then at the other end, you feel so alone, like in this like American society that you're just like, okay, well, I don't really belong. And I can't like adapt to this. So you're just stuck
1: in this like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, Well, you're talking mm-hmm. about that in terms of like, there's like so many layers to everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that in, in psychology, we're trained to think of the person like developmentally. So if you mm-hmm. think of like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a child, you have a developmental task of, you know, learning how to walk and learning how to speak. And then when you become, um, you know, pre-adolescent, you have a, a different developmental task. And so the way that I've been really trying to make sense of things for myself and, and even, you know, for my parents, is that not only do we have these developmental tasks as an individual but generationally we have developmental tasks so Mm -hmm. where our you know our grandparents and our parents came here with very specific goals and tasks that they had to do that does not have to mean that that has to be our goals and our tasks as the generation coming behind them and Mm -hmm. to really respect and honor that that's you know over time there is going to be um a necessity for us to really like acknowledge what those tasks are because even now in this like tremendous information age it's like TMI TMI like it's just there's so much access to so many things that people are getting confused and not understanding Mm -hmm. like it's important for us to focus on using this information for our betterment you know using it to like like move us in a different direction instead of like being bombarded or being overwhelmed with anxiety and depression but it's like our task and our developmental goal is not going to be the same as our parents
0: You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Sololi, a shop with social change at its core. And you guys, I'm so excited to have them work with us. Isabel, the founder and owner, literally goes to meet with artisans in Mexico, and she's slowly expanding through South America. And each piece goes to empower a local artisan where she co-creates with them giving them a fair value. She began this by going back to her husband's homeland and seeing children that weren't able to get an education. So she started working with their parents to make sure that they could go to school and to be able to provide for their families. So she's scaling up and she has the most amazing products on her website, even some eco-friendly ones. And her headbands, they are absolutely gorgeous, and each one is handmade. So go check out her site on sololishop.com. If you want to hear more from us, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Basic Brown Nerds. Hey, Basic Brown Nerds. We want to tell you about one of our partners, latinx.com. They're building a community of voices to share our experiences, laugh, learn, and connect via the articles on their website, latinx.com, and find them on social media at TheRealLatinX. Hey, we're super excited to tell you about the Future for Us assembly in Seattle on April 27th. It's a day-long conference with power-packed panels, fireside chats, and workshops that will equip you in your career to extend to leadership. You'll leave the day with actionable skills and a community to help you meet your goals. This conference is specifically geared for women of color professionals. For more info and to get your tickets, check out futureforus.co and futureforus.now on Instagram. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.
1: So it's like you know, when you know better, you do better, right? So like, you know, we're we're getting this information and and using it to heal. And sometimes that looks, it does, it's not a pretty process.
0: Oh, no, not at all. Like, I think that's (laughs) the thing that people think like, oh, okay, it heals. But it's like, when you literally look at a scam, like it's, ugly at first right like you're cut (laughs) and then it gets all gross it's like foamy you need to put stuff on (laughs) right Right. and then you're left with like a scar right and it's still like okay like this is new tissue like it's it's new but it still has those remnants and it's really hard to like get rid of that but it's also like an ugly process right yeah I think for me like that process was very much Lots of therapy, but, <laughs> but also, like, yes, I, think, I, support <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I think it was really hard for me to just kind of even accept that mm-hmm. like, oh, I, you know, was going through depression, through anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, like I had reached such a low point. And I think we talked about it before that I was like, okay, like even my doctors, that was, she was a social worker mm-hmm. and she was very holistic. She was all like aromatherapy. And like, I reached the point that she was like, you need to be on medication.
1: But you have to get there to really like trust that. Yeah,
0: and and even then, like she was like, okay, well, this will get you to like a balance point where we can work through your things, right? right?" And I think that's something that I've learned. Like I haven't, I've been like six months without my medication now, after like two and a half years. But it's just becoming self aware. But it took a really long time, and it's and it hurts sometimes, like when you're just like, oh man, I'm doing this, or like I'm being shitty, or. But but also, I think for me with my parents. It was like a lot, like I was so angry at them for the longest time. And then like, you know, even going through therapy, I was just like, wow, they really fucked me up.
1: Like, you know, <laughs> didn't know though. and that's the if thing. They knew, they and I think that's right?
0: the thing that like, you know, it, I was angry for the longest mm-hmm. time because I was just like why did you put so much pressure on a kid like you know like it had all these high expectations and right. then like you know I was always translating everything for them right. and like having to just right. figure it out and like be in these two worlds and my parents were super religious mm-hmm. and like my dad was an alcoholic so it was just like uh but now I feel like that I've gotten older I've kind of realized like oh they're they were just human like they were my age when they were trying to raise a kid right Right. that it's just kind of like oh like they're just people and they were also hurting right yeah like imagine leaving your entire family Mm -hmm. to go to a country and not being able to go back right and so it was just kind of like that kind of clicked to me that I was like right they were just trying to survive right but then at the same time like that had effects on like me and my siblings and that like they didn't even realize they were doing because they were just trying to survive that that Now I feel when I'm talking to other people that have had similar experiences, then I'm just like, oh, you also hella anxious and hella depressed, you know, (laughs) that it's just like, wait, like, what's going on, you know, that it's kind of like, this makes sense, like, Mm -hmm. it's part of the human experience, like, it's normal, right, that you're just like, of course, people are going to react like this, because it's it's stressful, and I I wonder how many people are going through that without Mm -hmm. even like realizing it. And I think that's, that's the thing with like mental health. Like it tricks us into thinking that we're the only
1: ones. Right. 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 So yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Yeah. So I have so many thoughts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I think, well, I think one thing that's very unique to people who identify as, you know, Latino is that, you know, we haven't really, um, honored the grieving process. Like, in indigenous culture, grieving, you know, there are ceremonies when people pass away, there are ceremonies when people are born. And so these transitions of life are so monumental to us in our culture. You know, you think about cycles, you think about, you know, we were very connected to the moon cycles. Um, It was almost like a reminder for us of, of the importance of rituals and the importance of like ceremony. And we have gone generations away from that information where like, if you're thinking about, our parents leaving their countries and having to lose their culture and lose that, how much grieving we have not acknowledged, Mm -hmm. right? And how that's passed down. Like we haven't even unwrapped all this stuff and it shows up in ways where I do a lot of work with children and families. So teenagers are like, more depressed than ever, more anxious than ever. And parents are frustrated because they're like, well, I was anxious and I was depressed and I just dealt with it, you know? And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I kept it moving and I, I, didn't have the the privilege or the luxury of dealing with this stuff. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of resentment, You know, and there's a lot of like when they don't know how to deal with it. Right. Exactly. And then it's like, well, you can't look to your teenager and be mad at her because she wants to address these things and acknowledge them and take care of them and and maybe start a a new relationship with cycles where it's like there is a time to let go of things. There is a time to acknowledge that. Wow. Look at all that we have lost, because if we don't acknowledge The things that we've lost, it's very hard to make room for new things and for to be Mm, a new identity or a new whatever, because we are transforming into a new, you know, kind of people, you Mm -hmm. know, we have this history, like this happened, you know, we did lose a lot of connection with this. So now we're fusing, you know, the things that we know now, and, and hopefully trying to recollect, I call it um, I got it from um, this book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And, oh, oh, if you've yeah. ever, you know, it's very intense. Um, <laughs> it's a very intense book, but it's absolutely beautiful. And the way that she describes it is collecting the bones, you know, the bones mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. stories of things that sometimes you only have some pieces, right? When you're thinking about like these 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 people who like find fossils and bones, like that. having some of them helps them see the whole picture a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But we don't have all the bones, like we're still collecting little pieces. And sometimes like when you went to um, Mexico and you got that little piece of information, it was like, Mm -hmm. you collected a bone to add to the story that is your family's, you know, storyline, you know, and that's something that is an ongoing, beautiful, lifelong process. But we also have to acknowledge like the grieving and the mourning and the letting go. And honestly, nature reminds that. Uh, to us all the time we we are nature we've been connected to nature since the beginning of time and it always is like there's time for things to die and there's time for things to be born and we don't know even know how to respect that process that's why we're so afraid you know but it's like this is okay this is this is us this is what we've been doing and
0: really wanted to talk more about boundaries right and setting boundaries with family and that's something that we've talked a lot about on season one with Grecia like me and her having these conversations Mm -hmm. and the more and more I talk to like other friends I feel like that's a problem that we're all facing Mm -hmm. and especially now that I'm on this entrepreneurial journey and talking about business and going to like Latino business meetings and networking it seems to be a trend with a lot of families right? right like we like we were talking about we're this in between generation right Mm -hmm. like where we're just like one foot in our culture one foot in the american culture and it's really hard to navigate and set those boundaries when your family's so communal tribal right Mm -hmm. and then you're trying Mm -hmm. to survive in like western world that's very individualistic yeah and you're just like okay and i'm giving and giving and as you try to move up like socially, right? Like social upward mobility as you're getting more money, everyone Mm kind of just wants and wants more from you. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what we talked about last time that we're like, well, you can't help yourself. And then we kind of started talking about this too. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and what you think, how people can, you know, set that boundary with their family.
1: Yeah, this is such a common, common, common um, conversation. I think we can talk about boundaries like literally every day. And I think we are really demanding, um, healing for ourselves. And we're really, we're, we're demanding that we heal not only for ourselves, but we know the importance of doing that for generations to come, you know, for our children. Mm -hmm. And so that's becoming like this new inspiration, this new motivation for us to take care of those things. And so, um, this is definitely a topic that has been brought to my sessions over and over again. And I think that, you know, we have to stay connected to the idea that, you know, it is our generational task to have all this information at our fingertips for the betterment of the future. And that when we set boundaries, like it typically doesn't allow for the other person to really have to, you know, to really understand, um, you know, the motivations. And I think that also for ourselves it's hard for us to set those boundaries because we don't, a lot of times because it, it upsets other people so much, we think that we're doing something wrong. Yes, you know? I feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> we have guilt. And that's also connected to that that Catholicism you know, guilt trip that we have also really, I think it <laughs> has ingrained in our blood. Mm-hmm. But it definitely makes us feel like we're do- making the wrong decision if we need time. And I don't necessarily mean to cut people off completely, but I do think that... Um, if we don't even know what we want, like let's say we don't know what direction to go in or we don't know what career path, we always know how we want to feel, mm-hmm. you know, and that can always be a barometer for us. Like if I go into this situation and it constantly feels toxic and it makes me depressed or it makes me anxious or it brings out the worst of me, it makes me angry or frustrated, then how can I decrease the probability of that happening? And then if that is associated with somebody in my life that you know, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be partner, then maybe I really need to figure out the ways that I can create some more space so I can figure out what this is about, you know, so I can Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, how can I create more peace in my life so that even if I'm in moving in these circles or I have to go back into this house or I have to go back into these spaces that I'm moving more um, leaning towards love and moving in peace versus constantly feeling like maybe quote unquote triggered,
0: Mm-hmm. right
1: so even if we don't know exactly how that's supposed to look and even if it's other people getting angry that other people is not the barometer that we are right. the barometer that our feelings are first and foremost that you know our healing our health um our mental states um our peace is not compromised because other people it makes other people uncomfortable mm-hmm. because a lot of times you know in psychology, we're talked about, we, we learn about projections. And so people's anger really is not about us. It's about, you know what, like you're hurting me and you don't want to realize that you are part of this. So I have to keep myself away. But that person's getting mad because they don't want to have to deal with themselves as part of the issue. And so it's like when you create that boundary, you're allowing for them to have to look at themselves,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and giving them the space to, to explore that if they choose to do so some people when they are you know when boundaries are actually respected and asserted will start to look at themselves and say you know what i really want this person around and so maybe this is something that i can take care of better maybe i can i can i can handle the way that i talk to this person in a different way maybe i can move in a different direction because i actually genuinely want this person in my life but if you're constantly enabling this way of relating with somebody then it's never going to change and that's only going to cause more resentment and more frustration and it doesn't contribute to our peace mm-hmm. you know so it's important i think for us to really look at boundaries as actually potentially growing a relationship versus it cutting a relationship off like i can actually expand in these ways in, internally in myself and also expand my trust with this person that you know wow you know i'm telling you that this is a, a line for me and you're respecting that line that makes me want to be closer to you but again healing is not a it's not a pretty process right right and people really want it to be pretty and be fast And I think that another important thing to know is like our autonomy in our healing and, and our leadership in that, that that is our responsibility. And so it sometimes comes with loneliness. It sometimes comes with feelings of like, man, like nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. And I always tell all my patients, I'm like, you, no one is ever going to know you like you. No one is ever going to let go of that, that fantasy Of like, you know, being understood or everyone being able to, like, they don't understand me. No, because you're, you are, you, we're still learning to understand, understand ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. and know ourselves and know what feels good and what medication is right and what's not right. And, you know, what kind of foods we should be eating. That is a very personal, personal journey. We have a vision for our lives that sometimes is a little bit separate from other people. And it's not just family. Sometimes that's friends too.
0: Yeah. And I feel like as you were saying that, like, that's the other thing, right? Like I work in tech startups, right? And just the startup world. And a lot of people when they first start, they do the like family and friends round, right? Like Mm -hmm. people pitching in money, like time and stuff like that. And I feel like that's something that's very hard. For first generation people mm-hmm. to do because our families are all struggling and mm-hmm. they can't help. Yes. Instead, it's like, wait, we need help from you, and you're usually the provider yes. for all these people. Yes. Um, but I think we had even talked about it. It's like, well, if I don't invest in myself, like how am I gonna buy that house to take care of you in retirement 100%. if I don't like take care of myself first. Yeah. And and even that comes with like money, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of us and, and I don't know, this is like my theory, and I'm like, well, of course it makes sense, like religion has imposed so much to be, like, anti-money, right? Like, oh, money's evil, money's greed. And it was, like, that was also a really smart way to keep us poor, right? Because <laughs> like, yeah. you're thinking about yeah. it, and it was just, like, oh, yeah, let's keep all the, like, indigena and, like, the mm-hmm. people that we we're trying to colonize, let's keep them poor um, and not let them think about money Makes and, like, sense. yeah, you know, moving up in society. But I think a lot of us do carry that guilt of, like, oh, okay, yes. like, if I want money, like, then I'm... You know, like I'm a horrible person because it comes with greed. Right. And right. that's something that like is very hard to disassociate. Right. Um, like disconnect that. Yes. that It's not like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that tends to be a lot of people's issues when they're trying to be an entrepreneur, start their own business or even like ask for more money. Right. right. Like Latinas get paid 53 cents on the dollar. And I've literally seen it where I've had to tell people that I've hired, like, no, go ask for more money. Like, I know they can give you more. Mm -hmm. Whereas the guys will never take the first offer. Mm -hmm. Like, and you see that difference, like, with women and even more so with, like, people of color, like, women of color, because they're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, like, giving me even this opportunity. Right. Right. Especially in fields where you barely see anyone that looks Mm -hmm. like you. Mm -hmm. And I think that has transferred over into, like, now that I'm working with more female entrepreneurs that like we feel uncomfortable asking our value right and we were starting Mm -hmm. to talk about that and and that's something that like, it's really even hard for me to be like, okay, this is my fee, right? Because then at the same time, you're like, well, I want to help you. And like, and, and it's, it's really hard to just be like, okay, I want to be able to like help people and like use my skills to do that. But then, yeah, like you can't help yourself. You can't I mean, help you them. can't help others
1: if you're not helping yourself first. 100%. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. This happens. It's very common that that happens. So... Um, so I think that you know we have to think about money as allowing us to sustain things, so to sustain ourselves, to sustain you know whatever lifestyle that we have. And so you know if we are constantly giving out handouts, we're not creating um, a, an energy that is going to allow us to sustain the things that we're able to continue to provide. So I look at self worth as you know the investment that I require of other people in me. And a lot of times that very much coincides with boundaries because a lot of people are going to say, well, I don't have that. I can't spend that. And you know what? That's okay. We, I want to encourage people to get to that point, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm like, listen, if you don't got it now, like, listen, and and I encourage you to maybe think about, you know, becoming more financially stable, becoming more financially free so that you can continuously invest and pour into yourself as well, because I don't do this. I, I have to continuously pour and invest into myself and that costs money and that costs time. And so I have to also be able to say this is my word so that I can continuously invest in myself as well.
0: And I think that, that like people are using a lot the word like manifesting, right? Yes. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's because you've been putting in all this work because Correct. you're believing it too, yeah. right? And I think there's Correct. such a powerful thing when you like have that goal, right? And then you're just like, okay, I believe it. I'm working towards it. And Getting there, but also you
1: mentioned, um, what is it, the caged dog theory? Oh we're um, like the test, right? We're talking about the um the shock box. Yes, yes. The shock box um like, just blew my mind
0: and I was like, Oh my god, I'm that dog. Or yeah, like the, the, little, the, the little the mouse. The right? mouse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I guess rats are mouse. Oh, was... I think it got tested. That's why I started reading up after you mentioned it and it was also tested on dogs. So... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably did, yeah. They, like, I wouldn't doubt it. On rats and dogs. I wouldn't doubt it. But the shock box experiment is basically like, you know, they have this this little box in the middle of this big cage and they had all these little mice and and the shock box would constantly kind of consistently shock these mice and you know cause them to be afraid um you know anxious and at some point they release the mice from this shock box and allow them to kind of go into this beautiful bountiful space of like food and they can like play together and they can like mate together and what they were finding was that all these mice were were more comfortable going back to the shock box and being shocked because that was just their comfort zone it's what they knew and what's interesting is that you know in this book that i've been reading called buddha's brain he talks a lot about how we are just so much more um likely to um really connect with negative messaging versus positive Mm. messaging because that's a survival tactic that we have you know kept for you know for forever but we're not having the same problems that we did hundreds of years ago so but we still are having that that same reaction to negativity in ways that we notice something negative way before we notice something positive and the positive things don't necessarily like stay with us the ways that negative things do so it's important to to use affirmations and to bring in positive messaging because our psyches are so saturated with the negative that Mm -hmm. it's easier to just Mm -hmm. kind of fall into that as a default that's our default really um so the positivity is like stretching past the boundary that we're not really used to and we don't you know you think about if i always tell people I, I use the example of mcdonald's too like if i told you to close your eyes you all can draw me the symbol of mcdonald's you can all draw me how that looks like but if i ask you about a, a really powerful beautiful affirmation that you you know ca- can chant to yourself every day it's going to take longer for people to say oh this is something that's helpful to me actually i I, I, I want to say this this affirmation or this mantra. Um, and that's you know, the importance of of repetition is actually something that can heal the brain. It can help us kind of recircuit things in ways mm-hmm. that are encouraging mm-hmm. us to be more positive. With, uh, but uh, we don't know plasticity. this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the what is it? The the neurons that wire together, fire together or something like that. They talk about this. And so we have the powerful we have powerful tools of mindfulness of being present of meditation um all of those things actually can help us to counter all the negative messaging and and autopilot that we are Mm -hmm. on especially in a in a society that continuously gives us negative messages. It's not like that's stopping. Mm-hmm. You go on social media, you go on the news. Like if you go on the news, you hear oh maybe God. five, <laughs> five good, watch it for five minutes and you probably hear one positive thing and everything else is like, this person died, this person got shot, this person, this blew up, that happened. And so, and and we're so drawn to that, you know, right. we, we watch that's it. That's why they make
0: so much money Yes, because they like feed into yes. like our
1: fears. Correct. But then you're just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I'm so scared. I want more." Like and right, yeah. right, because we 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 falsely think that that's actually going to keep us protected or safe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's really important is for people to understand that repetition matters. If you can create a mantra for yourself that you can do in the shower at least once a day every day that that little seed grows and expands into other things and more mantras and more opportunities for like, you know what? I want to feel good. I don't want to, I don't have to feel depressed or I don't have to feel anxious. I can actually shift my energy. Um, if I want to with myself, it definitely takes time mm-hmm. to figure out like the combination of things that works right, for each person, right, right. but it's worth taking the journey. Like, yes. when you're reaching that point. A hundred percent. The awareness is number one and that's the one, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, do you have anything that you'd want to take away for, I guess, for our listeners on how they can start to set boundaries if they're having a hard time with their families?
1: Um. Yeah, I think, you know, something that has been very helpful to a lot of my patients is writing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that a lot of times we want to present uh, our case or our side to people without really um hashing out the details with ourselves like what is it that you really want you know what is it what is the goal in this and and how is it that you really feel are you comfortable with that are you clear on that before you're presenting that to someone else so maybe writing is a great way to like sit with all your thoughts say like you know what this is something that i can kind of keep out this is something that i feel more important about sharing and really saying this is the boundary that i feel comfortable with um when you're presenting this case with with the like framework of loving this person, right? like mm-hmm. I love you, so I want to actually like have a fruitful relationship. I want our relationship to expand and grow, and I believe that this is one of the avenues in which that can happen. Mm-hmm. so it's just about respecting it. It's not about rejection, you know, it's not about casting you out or um or uh, cutting you off. A lot of people use that or ghosting, you know, there's all these terms now, but it's really about like my intention. And it's always about me. Like my intention is for our relationship to grow and expand. I do this with love and I just need this to do this for myself so I can get clear on some things. And that might change and, and, you know, be sculpted as time passes. But this is really what I need for myself right now. And many times when things are framed in that way... People are less defensive, Yeah, you know, but it's important that we understand where we stand and Mm -hmm. writing can help us do that. Or maybe having a conversation with someone else, a trusted person that can help bounce off some ideas. Obviously someone that you feel is rational, grounded, and, and, and has like your best interests at heart. Where they can say, you know what, maybe this this way would be a softer way of, of, of mentioning this. Or maybe this way is a way that you can really get that point across. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even practicing with our friends, you know, or other right. family members is a great way to do that. If you don't want to write. Yeah. I love writing. So I'm always no, to I totally encourage. get that. But I think, like, for me, I've
0: definitely been that person that cuts people off. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also really hard for me because I connect with people so easily yeah. that then I feel it becomes, like, too much. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. then, like... Mm-hmm it's really hard to to be like, oh, okay, but like, you know, I have to set that boundary or like, I'm just friendly and like, you trust in me really easily, but like, you know, we're because not because like I'm just best friendly. friends. Yeah, and I feel like that's hard for me mm. that it's had to be like, I've had to reach those ugly points. Why I didn't set those boundaries early on, yeah, right? Yeah, And like those gut feelings yeah. too. Like, but I feel like I've sensed that but and I don't that. say anything, right? Yeah,
1: like that's in the process, you figured that out. Like, it's yeah. not like you would have known
0: that Right. And I feel like that's one of the things, right? It's like a process, yes. right? Like, and, you know, and, and that's what I, I kind of was like, wow, I was really shitty, you know? Mm-hmm. And you kind of realize that, but it's like, well, we're all growing. like, Correct. Yeah. But 100%. It's just like if we can to be in to being
1: like, oh, it was bad. Standing, compassion, <laughs> standing, understanding. We are all navigating this like thing called life. And sometimes we don't have all the answers and we do things to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves. But, you know, we can always, you know, in, in therapy, it's called, um, when you, uh, it's almost like a, they call it a rupture in, in the, in the patient therapist relationship where like the therapist and the patient have this like awkward moment where the patient is like, no, I don't trust what you said, or I don't like what you said, mm-hmm. or I'm mad at what you said. Um, and you know, there's that, that, that period of time where it's like, oh, is the patient going to come back? Is the patient, are we going to be able to reconcile this? And that's real relationship. Mm-hmm. when you can go back to the therapist and say, you know, this is something that I didn't agree with, but I'm, you know, I I know that you've been helping me in this capacity, and I want to continue like working together, and that's what real relationship is like. Like, you know, I, I don't necessarily so many agree people with you feel say. uncomfortable getting to that, right? A hundred percent. Like instead, it's just like let me just ghost. Yeah, but a lot of people will just come back, and then that's part. That's where the real work starts. That's mm-hmm. where the real work is. It's like okay, you didn't agree, or you know, you were mad about what I said, but sometimes like that's that's part of the of of the work that needs to be um there needs to be a light shed onto something mm-hmm. and that's when you know sometimes when we get to those like hard places that's the real work that's like oh you didn't want me this isn't supposed to be bubbly and cute and fun all the time right Right. you know yeah. and so to to be able to handle that and do that helps us also outside of the therapy office to do that in our real relationships mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know I, I don't like what you said and I, I apologize for maybe the way that I handled it, but like, this is, you know, we can have a, we can have conversations and disagree and agree and, and have the, we don't have to, um, argue, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who have households where they never are, they never necessarily like fight, you know, right. they'll disagree and, and they'll have conversation, but it will never be this like heavy. We're going to be disrespectful to each other, fight with each other. And we can have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we can have that but it does it takes you know it takes time and it's a process so yeah, wow.
0: yeah. that was awesome so i hope like anyone benefited yes. like, I hope they find, it valuable. find it valuable yes and um so where can people find you
1: Yes. So I am at you. I can, you can always set up an appointment or reach me through my website, which is www.thecreativetherapist.org. Also thecreativetherapist at gmail.com. I am open always to consulting with people about finding the right therapist. If people need help trying to navigate the mental health system it is sometimes feeling like a big bad wolf. So mm-hmm. I'm very open to having conversations about how to navigate that. And I'm also um, hashtag self-love because it's all about loving ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. For sure. And lastly, I want to thank the amazing new team members that are making all of this possible. Our producer, Daniela Franco, that's making this season sound amazing. And Douglas Quinteros, our creative strategist revamping Basic Brown Nerds. And of course, to all of you that continue to listen, support and collaborate with us. Basic Brown is a production of Carrera Digital Solutions, where dreams, effort, vision come together to empower our communities through tech and media. If you want to support us, you can make a donation through our website, basicbrownnerds.com, or simply share our content with your friends. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.